so I know you come from, because you touched base on it, I think, at least in the first episode we ever did of this stuff. Um, you, you mentioned how you came from a striking background. Uh-huh. Right. So I have never done anything really striking related because of uh, Aiki Jiu-Jitsu. So I don't really do anything like that because it's all counter grappling, if anything. Um, and the strikes are really close range. It's not You're not really worried too much about footwork or uh, angles like you would if you were doing like mid to long range striking. Right. Because right? it's just for me, it's mainly, as you know, it's just like elbows and knees for the most part. But I do... I, I, I do like striking for just the fun of it. Not, not in the sense that I like getting kicked and I like punching people. That's not what I'm saying. But like doing drills of footwork or working on the mechanics of a kick of chambering and, and like hitting and then rechambering and stuff like that. I found to be really, really rewarding. Really, really rewarding. It's like, oh, I was just hitting a, a slip bag. And that's so much fun because it takes so much work and concentration and effort to have good form and, and good physical ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the heavy bag. It's like a lot of people just wail on it. And it's like, no, like if you wail on it, you're going to hurt yourself. There's a technique and a form and there's a pattern to it. Yeah. Um, but it's very different when you hit pads or... Um, a bag versus another person. And I bring this up because I posted a video on my Instagram. And if you're friends with me on Instagram, you saw it of me just working on a, a headhunter bag. It's like, mm-hmm. it's an aqua bag. So it's just this little bag, the size of your head, that's like 15 pounds yep. and it's filled with water. So it has a lot more of a live feel compared to just like a stuffing Interesting. and it pops. It moves a lot. Right, so it's really cool because it's, it's really just that. It's coordination. It's drilling. It's, it's fun. It's a fun thing. But um, one, of my, uh, one of my good friends commented like, um, oh, man, why do I think you can now kick my ass because of this? Because I've never seen you do anything, and I can see you do this. And I laughed because on one hand, A, I, it's, it's not that good. Like, <laughs> like if you know striking, you know what I'm doing is not that polished. But B, uh, and I, I didn't say it to him directly, but I, I mean – I'm saying it now. It's anybody can look good on pads. Anybody can look good on a bag. Like if you see some somebody just wailing on a heavy bag or like doing a lot of fast movements on the on the focus mitts, like yeah, that looks really good, but they're not getting hit back. And exactly. And I wanna and I, I wanna bring up the difficulty in that. And you probably experienced it way more than I did, or I have, but it's also the the number one example of this is to me Ronda Rousey. Okay, Ronda Rousey for the longest time, everybody was everybody was like, "Oh my god!" And yes, I know her judo was excellent, if if not probably the best in MMA, right? Man or or woman, mm-hmm. and uh, male or female, and her judo game was so strong with her takedowns, her her the ability to, with her gap control with her hips, but even when she um when she knocked out Betch Correa, like. Oh man, like she's such a good striker too. Like she was, she was claimed as the next Mike Tyson of women's MMA. I don't think for her boxing, but I think for her prowess of being I a see. scary, okay. intimidating fighter who was just taking people out in seconds. But um, people when she went up against Holly Holm, people were like, "Oh, she's just gonna walk right through Holly Holm. Who's Holly Holm?" But the people in MMA who knew were like, "Well, Holly Holm's like she comes from a boxing and kickboxing background. She's an elite boxing and kickboxing champion. Um, she's terrifying because mm. she's a counter striker." And then we saw exactly that—the counter striking 
against Ronda Rousey when she went down in Australia. Yeah. And it was that, it's that, uh, it's that kind of weird image of like, but she looks so good when she hits mitts. She looks so good doing boxing drills. She looks so, it's like, yeah, I know, but it's not the same as having to worry about the gap in distance when it comes to the striking and the combinations from uh, like when you're facing somebody, especially with somebody like Holly Holm who has long legs for heavy kicks. Yep. Like, and I just wanted to put it out there that A, just because you look good on mitts or the bag, it doesn't mean you know how to strike well. But B, I wanted to get your opinion on it because I know that you come from tr- like more of a striking art mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's exactly that, right? Like when you see just anybody in general um, training from the UFC, it's like exactly that. I have that same thought like, wow, they look great. But then when they do all their sparring, it's all jujitsu. You know, they'll throw a jab every now and then, but uh, I feel like it's not heavily focused on striking. And uh, I think that was kind of Ronda Rousey's con, if you will. You know, uh, it, oh wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you what do you mean by you see them sparring? They don't strike much. What do you mean by that? Well, sparring, as in it. Okay, they. You see them predominantly do more jujitsu when they're when they're with their sparring partner than you would see them striking like you'll see them throw a jab every now and then maybe a kick but it's not like okay we're going to go through some drills you know of just some punches throw some jabs this and that it's mainly focused on the bag and i have seen uh fighters primarily focus on bag training when it comes to their strikes and their kicks their well you don't want to get hurt in a training camp going up to well a well, fight. The, well but the, the idea also is you're not going 100 percent either when you're practicing no because you're you know? not fighting if anything you would at least work on your speed your accuracy but just yes. you know there you can still uh sacrifice some power while trying to at least work on speed you, you do do you understand what i'm saying I so uh, okay like coming from a striking background i mean it kind of like what you said earlier i mean it's all about footwork mainly like when it comes to punching no one realizes like the way you stand depends on the power behind the punch right you know and uh your hips exactly and same thing with kicking and so if your feet are off by a degree that's a game changer you know now the opponent has uh the advantage over you and uh and this is why i was saying it, it was very tough for me especially going from two different striking styles going into uh jujitsu because um especially in Shotokan Karate, because we train to tense up in all of our forms. We're mm-hmm. trained to, okay, if I'm going to throw a punch, I'm going to really tighten my muscles up and really go for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, any style is going to tell you, you know, and like Sensei says, you're not going to punch my chest. You, your, fist should go, your fist should go through me. And you. the idea is to hit the wall behind me when you throw a punch. Right. You know? Because not, a lot not, of you're not tagging through. exactly, yeah. and that's the number one mistake when it comes to people learning how to punch or even kick. You know, they th- they think you know you tap them and oh that's it. Like no, you want to kick. You know what's beyond their head or what's beyond their body. Aim for the body, but you want to hit that thing behind them. So right. the idea the you want to imagine your foot going through them or your fist going through them for the follow through. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but speaking of Shotokan. Okay. So on Friday when I went to class, 
I actually ended up, uh, I was with Sensei Fusco, who ended up, uh, we, he ended up driving us down to East Haven, and we went to train with his brother for that night. Okay. And we did some Shotokan karate drills, mm-hmm. which I've never done. And then we did Chinna, I believe it's called, which is okay. like Chinese jiu-jitsu. Gotcha. Very different than what I'm used to. So like I, I have bad hips or I have sore hips from hockey all the time. So kicking sucks. Kicking hurts so much. For, like literally it hurts for me to like extend out in a kick. And uh, I've actually started working out differently to start to strengthen my hips because I know it's so weak. Mm. They're so weak or they're so sore, uh, probably both, that they're not able to really do much when it comes to kicks. Not that I'm going to be a kicking guy to begin with, but um, yeah, it was it was it was uh, it was really neat. It was really neat. His uh, his brother is uh, pretty high ranked as well, and he was saying he was like, I don't want to hear any kias. I don't want to hear any kind of like BS. I want to hear the snap of your gi. I want to hear like just power and speed with these moves. Yep. And I was like, oh shit, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah was like, that, okay. That's how it was for me in Taekwondo, which is a very predominant kicking style. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a primary. Um, and I style. I'm a kicker. I love kicking. I do. Yeah. That was actually my first style ever. Yeah, it was Taekwondo when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, kicking. Yeah, I um, there is. And I was telling uh, Sensei Fusco about this. It was Dan Hardy, um, who, for those who don't know, is an MMA fighter who currently has something called Wolf Heart Syndrome. So it's, long story short, his heart will, or like, I'm pretty sure this is what it is. It randomly beats erratically. Like, off, like it's an off beat that can happen. So the doctors are freaking out about him trying to fight again. But he's been working out and like training ever since he like quote unquote like is that the guy quit. from the UK? Yeah. Okay. He always had a mohawk. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Dan Hardy. Uh, fought GSP. Yep. Looked like his arm got ripped off, but he somehow got out of it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, he. Uh, what was I talking about? Shit. Dan Hardy. No, um, before that. So. Uh, uh, oh right, right. The, the kicking, kicking. Like, I'm sorry, kicking, kicking. Um, he was doing an interview. And he, like, uh, somehow, like, because I think he banged his leg against the table. And, it, like, they were like, you're okay? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And they were like, you sure? That was, you kicked it pretty hard. And he, like, tapped his shins. And everybody freaked the hell out. And, like, they started recording the sound. Because um, it sounded like, like a, it sounded like a, like a door. It sounded like, a, like something weird. Yeah. It doesn't sound like shins. Like, first of all, the fact that he was able to tap his shins at all. I don't think a lot of people have impact have experienced impact on their shins other than accidentally mm-hmm. and the amount of pain people get from that um that's the peter griffin thing from family guy yeah <laughs> wow. yeah uh, yeah yeah that, that's the shin right um dan hardy's shins sound like a door like you knock on it, it sounds like a door um and they were like what the how the hell did you why do your shins sound like that and he was like oh you know i've rolled bottles on them for hours on end yeah. and tap them with like four by four for me it was broomsticks broomsticks my grandfather taught me that too um you just take to roll or tap oh tap do you and he said to tap until you're just hitting that pain threshold like 
not extreme pain, but where you're like, okay, it's starting to feel a little uncomfortable. Like that's how hard you should hit it. Not extreme where you see in the karate movies, these guys swinging like a baseball bat up against the other guy, just sitting there in a, <laughs> like a pose, you know what I mean? Like a horse stance and he's just taking it to the chest and shit. Like, no, no, that's, yeah. that's for theatrical stuff. But yeah, it's like just enough to where you're just crossing over that pain threshold line. And right. that's, uh, it's all conditioning. You know, same thing with your fists, with your knee, any any part of your body you're striking with and making contact with, you essentially want to train and develop, you know, I guess some sort of calluses on your knuckles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's, I, I remember, and I was telling, uh, I was telling Sensei Fusco about this. I was like, I remember the first time I tried like a low kick mm-hmm. on a bag because it looks real easy. For those who ever <laughs> look up the video of just like Muay Thai kicks yeah. or, kickboxing kicks on bags um it looks really simple you're just like wailing onto a bag and it sounds really cool it's like oh cool that looks like just like how a lot of people assume punching is it's like Mm -hmm. oh this is so simple it's so easy to just throw and hit this thing with so much power it swings and it sounds like a shotgun yeah um so i just lined up and i wailed it and i was just like i thought i broke my leg i was like (laughs) oh oh my god <laughs> then I was like, "Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, what have I done?" And I remember just like, like hopping because it wasn't like like a dull pain. It was like sharp, sharp yeah. pain because I was I'm not used to that. I mean, I now my my legs are getting there, but like it was, ugh, ugh. But um, there. Anyways, I I wanted to talk about the difficulty of striking, not just because of what I had happen with my friend on Instagram, but it's also a thing of of sparring. So there's this awesome concept that I think is taking off now within MMA, especially. Um, Donald Cerrone is, is infamously known for coming out and like putting out this theory. He was like, I don't need to train how to fight. He was like, I know how to fight. I don't need to spar and take damage and possibly get hurt in a training camp for where I'm going to fight for money. He was like, I don't need to have these little mini wars in camp. Um, I need to just work on my technique. I need to work on my cardio, my physical improvement of like my, my strength and my explosiveness. Because he was like, I know how to do the fighting part. I've been fighting for like a long, long, long time. I can totally fight. And it's it's funny because that's the complete opposite of a place like AKA, mm. American Kickboxing Academy in California, which has monsters like Luke Rockhold, Daniel Cormier, Cain Velasquez, Josh right. Thompson, yep. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, the list goes on and on. And they're infamously known for having injuries because they go to fucking war. Yeah. And they're just like like steel sharpened steel in a way. It's kind of, I mean, I know it doesn't, but it's kind of like this, you know, only the strongest survive. And this is how you find the, find the strongest or become the strongest. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm of the idea that if you don't have the experience especially... It's like you need to have, I think, a war every once in a while. Absolutely. I think I think so. But I think once you get to the point of like, oh, you've had like multiple, either let, let's say you're like a, a point fighting person, like you've done point fighting in karate for five years. It's kind of like you probably don't need to go to war that often. You probably know how tra- like the situation of trying to read your opponent, trying to set yourself up, trying to set a like a trap or something like that with your footwork or a faint like you kind of you get it like could you always sharpen that tool yes right. but i don't think you need to like try to take each other's head off 
when you're just training. Well, it kind of brings up what I was just mentioning before with sparring. Like, I don't think it has to, you don't have to put 100% all the time. Well, you, you shouldn't know? have to in sparring. Sparring should right, just be like. Right, I, You know, because I agree with Don, his, his Donald's outlook on that, but I don't agree with going all out either. You know, if you keep it at like 70%, yes. you know. Yes. And I would say keep it steady at 70%. Like, don't do it for a few years and then say, you know what? I, I get it now. Like, I would say it's like anything, right? Like, you're always going to be a student in your craft. There's always going to be something new, a new technique, you know? And just because you know what you know, you've known for the last 5, 10, 20 years, you know, you're, you're still learning. You're always going to be a student. So, yeah. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I, um, I I think I think sparring should be more like drilling. Right. Quote unquote. It should be more like drilling until you hit a point where it's like you can control yourself. Because I think the main thing that happens when sparring goes wrong is somebody loses control. Yes. They land a punch that has a hundred percent power behind mm-hmm. it. They go go at a hundred percent speed. They do something that's out of the norm. So the natural reaction to the person is to defend themselves. Yeah. If their defense is a counterattack and that matches in ferocity and speed or power because they just got that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and and even just doing katas with other people, I've done this where it's just like, dude, you don't need to go this hard. Like it, it's like like you and I have both been in class where it's like uh I don't think anybody ever did it to Sensei Neely, but it's like somebody did something to one of the higher ranks and I was like, you don't Okay, fine. You want to go hard? And it was just like immediately like, yeah. okay, my turn. And then you just <laughs> eat shit. Like yep. you just get knocked back bat, like yep. real hard. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. This isn't fun. It's yeah. it's not fun. And it's like, no, because we're not trying to take each other's head off. Like it's, we'll get there. Like you, we can drill to that point, but that's not the goal of sparring or doing what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and that's the thing. That actually is what's, what I get scared of when it comes to sparring other people at times or or just even train like so when i went to this academy uh with sensei fesco's brother on friday and i trained with four people mm-hmm. that i've never met before five if you count his brother um i was like all right i don't know i know i know one's the teacher one's a brown belt there's a black and i don't know what this guy is because i can't see his belt it's like okay so i don't know what ranks i'm working with I'm hoping they know enough about restraint. And thankfully, we all were at a high enough level. Like, everybody there understood, like, cool, we've never trained with you before. So, we're going to, like, take it easy. And it was it was, it was mainly because you don't know the limitations. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know this guy's flexibility. So, it's, I'm not going to torque hard and then, like, cut in mm-hmm. when I don't know this dude's shoulder flexibility. Yeah. So, if that... That was refreshing because I was training with people who are experienced enough to understand that. But you and I have both worked with white belts before where it's been like, oh, shit. Like, and they think they have to, like, <sighs> go super hard and mm-hmm. be intense about it. I was like, dude, just, no. Just, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I know it's, you're full of, like, adrenaline because you've never been in the situation. But it's like, no, nah, it's okay. Just let it go. It's okay. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I um, when's the last time you sparred? Last time I sparred, I was probably uh, with me. Last, yeah, it was probably with <laughs> you. No, actually, I want to say the last few classes was when I was uh, training with Dylan and uh, Jay. Jay. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so I want to say it was probably my one of my last few jujitsu classes. 
Mm. Last time I actually physically sparred. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to. So here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I've never trained in MMA. Like I never went to an MMA school or mm-hmm. camp to, to try it out. But um, in traditional martial arts, especially old school places like where we trained uh, together, there's no such thing as weight class. Right. It's it's kind of just determined by rank. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, cool. I'm going against a guy who's, I'm like, I'm I'm short. I'm like 5'5". Five, five. Cool. This dude's like 6'2 and 195 pounds. Oh, well. That sucks to be me. Like, that's yeah. kind of how it is. Um, <laughs> I've always said this. I've never, especially since I've now, like, taken, like, gotten into this new philosophy of taking care of my body and really gone deep into martial arts i would i've never faced off against somebody my size and weight ever it's always been somebody bigger okay it's always been somebody taller heavier rangier it's never been cool we're both like five five and around the same weight right it's always been like oh cool you're like five nine to six three anywhere from 150 to 220 pounds cool this is great it's always been that always now is that kind of like uh, if i were you i would kind of see it as well if i did end up someone you know if i was ever in a situation where i I had to defend myself or fight somebody that was my my size my height wouldn't you feel a bit more confident knowing you were training super confident i feel super confident don't get me wrong i want to see how i how i like it's gonna sound cocky i want to see how badly i would win yeah like just because i'm I'm pretty confident. It's like if I yeah. can take kicks from this dude who's like 200 pounds, I'm taking your kick. Like yeah. my my guard is it's been broken by bigger swords than what you got. So let's yep. let's bring it up. I mean, not to sound brash or like I'm not you know overestimating or underestimating uh, somebody, but at the same time, it's kind of like I'm picking up and dumping people who weigh. 90 I think it's the best more. training method, honestly. Pair someone up, uh, you know, who's smaller against someone who's bigger. Classic yeah i like it this that's a that's a good that's a good segue into the thing i wanted to talk about when it comes to training with people of the opposite sex mm-hmm. because we trained with i think there was two girls i've trained with in jujitsu or maybe just one but what do you think about that con- i i like the concept of have you have if you have girls if you have females I like the concept that they have to train against guys. Okay, so supposedly scientific, scientifically speaking, males are, I guess, stronger than the female. They are. Race. They absolutely are. Well, I'd say it depends. Well, if because you put Chris it, Cyborg on the mat and then you put me on the mat, you're well, right. Just no, say, that's a situation. I mean, I mean, there are taller women, bigger women out there too. Yes, six five, but whatever. There's I mean, anomalies if, on, on the on the on yeah. the chart. So, I mean, but the okay. average. I was okay. If if you're talking average height, if everyone was just an average height, average weight, yeah, okay, I see that. Um, as the male, in a male perspective. It, I mean, knowing, you know, yeah, okay, males are more dominant, whatever. I truly understood when I was doing a lot of stuff with Gina, when I was, ta- right. when we were taking class with her, you know, because she's even shorter than you. Yep. You know, she yep. must have been, what, 5'2", maybe no something like that, you know. 
But yeah, she she was shorter than me. And me being five eight and the way I well the weight I was back then, it was like I I I got a good understanding of okay, I know my own strengths. Like, how far do I push it just in training alone? You know, to keep it fair. But at the same time, she also needs to get the training to take someone on like me that's my size so how well you know what i mean it's it, so you're kind of well when you're when you're working i think when you're drilling you don't need to the points just like i'm not gonna counter you know what i mean like it's like yeah. if you're drilling something it's like okay go ahead do it like you're just trying to drill the move down and then right. i drill the move down i think that's the kind of a hey we give it and we let it go i think when it comes to okay cool so if we're doing like rondori it was like, okay, cool. Now we're going to actually go. We're actually going to get at it. We're going to go at each other. We're going to add some. some Does ma- everybody know what Rondori is? Have we explained that? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, for those who don't know, Rondori is the term used uh, essentially when you get attacked by everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's you're just like thrown in the center and it's like, all right, one at a time. Let's let's go. Let's do this. And, so and you like, just get a wave of attacks, basically. Yeah, yeah. There, nobody gives you a chance to like, okay, to stop. Think, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Like, they're going to keep throwing punches, kicks. They're going to try to get you in some sort of lock, a hold, and you just need to counter it. If you train with, uh, if you if you train at the place that we train, uh, weapons then get added. And yeah. Then, <laughs> and then yeah. knives come out, and then sticks and bats, and yeah, it's it's not something people look forward to. No, but. Uh, <laughs> But um, I think turning it up then is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome, I think, because Gina was amazing at it. Like, Oh, yeah. In Rondori, when I was like, okay, cool, like, flip the switch, let's go. Time to, time to start hurting. Um, yeah, she, she, was, she was really good. She was really good. Yeah. I, I think, I think uh, first of all, I feel bad. Not, I'm not to Gina because Gina's, I think, more experienced and skilled than I am. But I mean, like, I think I, I feel bad for any female who first gets into martial arts without, a, without like, an assistance. Because to walk into a dojo that's nothing but guys, or at the very best, there's, like, hopefully a, a, a one or two or a few females there, that's got to feel really awkward. You know what I mean? Like, I feel awkward walking into a room if I'm the smallest guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what it's like if, if you're a female. Yeah. And to be like, cool, I have to train again about against fighting these guys. Like that's that's gotta be real awkward. So I I feel kind of bad for them for that sense. But I do think that there's something really really important behind that. And that's kind of the thing that we were just talking about when it was like, I have to fight people outside my weight class all the time. It's kinda of like when when you have somebody who has to always fight up, the hill is always steep. Yep. The second the hill is not steep, you're just run. You're just slaying it, and that's yep. what I think is. And that's actually a, a a fundamental that's being brought up now with women's MMA. It's kind of like you have all these pioneers in women's MMA, and still even now you have some veterans and even new ones that train primarily with guys. Mm-hmm. And they get yeah. asked like, "Do you want to? Why don't you train with females? Because that's who you face, and they are different." And they're like, "Yeah, I get it, but like." You, the fire burns a little hotter here when I'm facing nothing but the guys. Um, but then you have the opposite where you have, like, the, the girls helping other girls. And, like, so, like, uh, you have Valentina Shevchenko with Rose Namajunas out of, uh, I think it's Elevate Fight Team um, in Colorado. They train together, and they are two, well, Rose is a champion, um, but they are two, like, 
dominant fighters in their division. And it's, it's, I would never want a, like a female fighter or a male fighter to only train with their own gender. Right. I uh, agree. I, I, I would think that's like, no, you need to learn how to, especially so if there's any, like, if there's any female listeners that are listening to this and are thinking or have been thinking, I want to join martial arts, absolutely join martial arts. Make sure a, it's a good school. Uh, almost every place gives you a trial. So mm-hmm. you use the trial to test out some places to see if you like the environment. And, um, but B appreciate if you are placed against guys. Yes. Because at least with Sensei Neely, Sensei Neely has always said, he's just like, you're not going to outpower guys. So why are you going to bother outpower, trying to outpower? You need right. to out-technique them and outsmart them. Yes, exactly. And that's the real world. It's going to happen. There's always somebody stronger than you. Yeah. So you're going to have to find a way around it. And that I think that's the best. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, I think it's also very intimidating. Like I was talking to Sensei Fusco on the, on the, ride, uh, on the ride back. And he was telling me about his experience when he was doing BJJ. <laughs> and he was like, it is, there's new age martial arts training and old age martial arts training. Right now, BJJ is like the hip new martial art to do. And it's weird, man. Like he was telling me how everybody shows up and they're just playing, they're just blasting metal over the speakers and everybody's rolling for like 45 minutes. And I was like, I can see that because I do see that like in videos and stuff. And I can see how that's kind of like, if that was like a day, that makes sense. It's like, cool, today is like sparring day in BJJ. We're going to roll for an hour. Yeah. Just let the music go. Do it at three minute increments and then like, you know, rotate every three minutes. But um, yeah, a part of that, it, it's it's kind of what we touched base on with the very first episode of this. It's the traditional versus the modern. Yes. Right? Like, like, would you, what do you think of, if you, if you showed up to a BJJ class and that was the class, you showed up and they're just, they're just playing Slayer and Megadeth and everybody's just well, trying to take Well, with me personally, I would just walk out because, again, and we've already talked about this, I choose, you know, just traditional, like, judo, you know, over right, right. BJJ. But, I mean, I, there are pros and cons to everything. You know, BJJ, you have, I, I... Not to get everyone confused, like I agree, it's 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 it it's still an effective style, especially if you do end up on the ground and you're in a situation where you're on the bottom. Okay, now how do I get out of this? You know, um, but yeah, if it was that type of environment, I mean, the environment, yeah, yeah, you know, you're hearing like Slayer in the background or something. I I don't know, man. I I, I don't <laughs> I don't mind that, but at the same time, it, it speaks more to the clientele. Yeah, and and Sensei Fesco was talking about that. He was like, like they're just. They're not drilling. They're trying to rip your head off. And it's almost like you're sparring hard all the time. And it's just like all these like full-sleeved fucking bros yeah. who are popping creatine before class are trying to just come in here. Which, to again, I think shit. like we discussed again in a previous podcast, what gives, I guess, not not even just UFC, but like mixed martial arts in general that's uh, being shown on television, uh, like a, a bad representation, you know, and it's... It's like not only does it to the average person look like, oh, it's it's like underground cage fighting with a bunch of jacked guys or, you know, these women who are just jacked and they're just going at it. And it looks like street fighting. But then you go and look up videos on the, some of the schools and then you see that and you hear that as an average person. It's like very intimidating, you know, and I think even as in a uh, well, a somewhat experienced martial artist myself walking into that after doing traditional for so long, that is kind of intimidating, intimidating. You know? I, I would think so. 
I wouldn't mind if it was like, cool, we're gonna, we're gonna play music during like a certain session. That'd be okay. That'd be okay. But like, it's again, that it's that mentality of, of the clientele that it attracts that I don't want. I don't, I'm not trying to go to class to take out my anger on my classmates. And that's what it sounded like it is. Yeah. It's like, I'm not trying to go to... And I'm not saying all BJJ places are like this, clearly. I'm just talking about this one instance of of this of somebody's experience at a BJJ school. But it's just like, you're not supposed to go to class to try to hurt your, your classmates. You're supposed to go to class to try to learn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like and not... Try, yes, I understand this sounds contradictory that you're you're learning a martial art to fight, but you don't want to hurt somebody. That's the whole fucking point. Like you don't right. want to have to hurt somebody, and especially when you get hurt, you and and you know how easy it is to hurt somebody, or how easy it is to have really severe damage done to you or to somebody else. You don't want any part in that, right? And you if, learn it to hope to never use it. Yeah, yeah. I I think, and this will be a conversation for a different day. But I think there's a huge misconception of. The traditional versus modern, where the where modern martial arts is almost being turned more towards a fitness trend. It's almost like you're gonna train for five fives and you're gonna have like a six pack because of it. Versus traditional, where it's kind of like, no, you're gonna be able to do two hundred push ups because you need to punch through walls. Like you, know, <laughs> like yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you want to have dead and nerves in your hands, so mm-hmm. when you strike something, you can just keep fighting very different mindsets very different mentalities but i think that's that's a conversation for a different day but i think that's uh that's something we need to talk about absolutely now speaking of mma let's talk about saturday april 7th 2018 ufc 223 uh going down it looks like in brooklyn new york uh if you're hearing this um it will be before saturday april 7th but I want you to please, if you've never watched a UFC fight or if you've never um, cared about MMA, I would say this is the card to look at. This is the card to get involved in. This is the card to tune into because the amount of fun fights on this card, this card is stacked. This card is worth the money. This card is, unless it's $100, don't pay $100. I think I think pay-per-view is like 60 70 bucks. That's yeah split it with a friend and and you know get some wings or something but this card is really really good and if you don't know the stories behind them there's a lot but the main stories are going to be the main the main card which is the uh number one champion tony ferguson uh number one he is the champion tony ferguson and he's going off against uh, the number two ranked fighter of the division khabib Nurmagomedov. um aka the eagle and if you don't know about the background of the fight tony ferguson is known as being an extremely unorthodox striker almost to the point where he looks he he looks so unorthodox people say he doesn't know how to fight but he's that good of a striker though that he hurts people really really bad on the feet and then they try to take him down and then you get to experience his 10th planet black belt jiu-jitsu and he just has the craziest submission finishes. It's a really fun fight. It's a really unorthodox uh, fighter versus a guy who's very bread and butter in uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, who is a Dagestanian wrestler. He just does. He just does a level of wrestling that's just. 
it's scary. So if you've never been held down, if you're listening to this, you've never been held down against your will. Try if you've never if it's never happened when you had a bigger brother or a bigger cousin, you guys were play wrestling or something like that. I, I don't know how to put it into words. The feeling of being held down against your will and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. I mean, I mean, I've never really watched you and Jay. I mean, I'm sure, I'm assuming Dylan Dylan did it to you as well, but Jay is just physically imposing yeah. because well, he's it, so big. Not only holding me down, but then being choked out too by someone bigger, and you not being able to like just move your toes. Like he just has you locked in so many different ways. Um, yeah, no, it's very intimidating for sure. Yeah, and and so. Nurmagomedov's bread and butter of, of wrestling is so unique because a lot of people can wrestle, especially if you just watch the NCAA wrestling uh, that just went down within the past week. Wrestling is is really fun, but his wrestling is not just a takedown, and that's what a lot of wrestling typically starts with, right? The takedown to the pin, at least when you talk about collegiate wrestling. Mm-hmm. But in MMA wrestling, a lot of people, in my opinion, use wrestling as a vantage point to begin one of two paths to victory. One is a submission game. They use wrestling to set up their jujitsu, so they want to get to a advantageous position off of a takedown, or they use it for ground and pound, a la George St. Pierre, which is kind of the uh, a la uh, Tyron Woodley, mm. which is the I take you down, I move myself into a position where I can land strikes, and then I just rain down strikes, and then I use my positioning with my wrestling to stay out of range of you trying to hit me from the ground, and I just keep going in and out of these ranges, and you can't stop me. Yep. And then you're terrified of being taken down, so then you keep trying to protect your legs from being taken out from under you, but you have to, you can't protect everything, and mm-hmm. then you get punched in the face, um, which I think we've touched base on with the the striking and and takedown games, but um, with that being said. This fight's really interesting to me because I think Khabib, Habib's wrestling, in my opinion, I think is so good. I don't think Tony can do anything off the ground jujitsu wise. Okay. I know a lot of if 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 there's if we have a, if we have a ton of BJJ listeners, I know they're probably you know squeezing their geese and ripping them apart right now. At that statement, but I don't think Tony Ferguson has the ability to maneuver himself into a threatening position when he's on his back against a guy as talented as uh khabib um that's just my opinion i mean it, i don't know if you saw the fight um oh god who was it khabib fought um oh my god it was uh it was a really good fight i totally forget his name but long story short khabib was he's talking in the middle of the fight he's talking to the guy he's beating he was like i'm sorry you i need to win like, this is my win. I need to have this win. You must understand that this is for my win. And he's, like, just punching the <laughs> shit out of him. <laughs> and, and the announcers are like, oh, my God, he's talking to him in the middle of the fight. Like, <laughs> casually, calmly talking. Yeah. And then he's, like, looking up and talking to Dana in the crowd. Like, Dana, I'm going to win this. See? <laughs> like, I need, I need, I want the championship. Like, yeah. Like, dude, that's. When you're beating somebody's ass that bad that you're holding conversations with the person and other people <laughs> on the like one of the on the highest professional level possible, you're terrifying. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're fucking terrifying. Um, sorry, I just talked all about this main card, but you can give me your input as well. I mean, um, where do you stand? Well, first of all, I never actually said who I think is gonna win. I think Nemirgamedov is gonna win. 
Okay. In my opinion, I think he's going to win by decision. I don't think he's going to be able to take out uh, Tony Ferguson. I think he's going to win by decision because I think he's going to just take him down and beat the shit out of him for five rounds. That's what I think. Yeah. Or, I mean, that's going to be my choice. But I could totally see Tony Ferguson being able to plan out a timed strike during a takedown. I could see him knocking uh, Nurmagomedov out. But I'm going to put my vote on Khabib getting a decision victory to be the new champion. What say you? I'm going to have to agree. Uh, I think Khabib... uh, It's a title match, so I'm going to go ahead and say... You hate saying decisions. I never say decisions. I I never do. (laughs) You're always like, I I expect to show every time. Knockout, yeah. That or submission. I mean, it has to end. I hate it when... I don't know. It's just not satisfying. (laughs) Um... Yeah, this is gonna be a war. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, it's gonna get I'll, bloody. That's gonna get a, become bloody. I'm not even gonna say it's gonna go the full five. I'll say third round knockout, Khabib. Knockout. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, you just really like your. You like it when I do. when there's a finish. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at it. Oh my god. All right. Sorry, everybody. I'm looking at the stats of. I'm trying to find out why he thinks Khabib's going to knock him out, and I'm looking at the stats, and I'm just trying to find a way. I can only. I think. I think we talked about this too. You and I go through the stats, and we make our determinations from there. And I have to say, we've we've been accurate some nights, and then we've just been completely fucking dumbfounded. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, And here's the thing. I know there's a lot of of factors beyond stats. But stats are so non-ambiguous. No, right. I, I like how stats are just, here are the stats of of everything. Yeah. It's a numbers game. Figure it out. Like mm-hmm. Moneyball it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, so I don't know. I can't say her last name. And if my friend Tomek is listening, uh, he's probably laughing because uh, he's Polish and can say her name fine. But Rose Namajunas versus Joanna Champion, which doesn't count because she's not champion anymore. This is going to be a great fight. So this is the uh, co-main, um, co-main event. It's the woman's strawweight, strawweight title fight between Rose Namajunas. And you and I watched her win together. Yep. And that was amazing because I remember, I think I turned to you and I just said, yo, Rose is my girl. Mm-hmm. She does some crazy shit. I hope she wins this. I think she can. And then she did. Yep. And I was screaming. I was yelling. I didn't realize it, but Daniel Cormier was doing the same thing because I was like, Doug Rose! Yeah. Yeah, Doug Rose! And I guess Daniel Cormier was doing the same thing on air when he was announcing. He was just like, (laughs) Doug Rose! Doug Rose! Doug Rose! (laughs) And it was amazing. YouTube, if you're listening, everybody, YouTube, uh, just Daniel Cormier, C-O-R-M-I-E-R, Daniel Cormier, or just DC dc thug rose win and it's it's amazing it's just amazing um so uh, nobody was present for our conversation when we watched this fight so i'll say something similar to when we watched it rose namajunas is a special talent i think rose namajunas has so much potential and i don't know why she she doesn't look intimidating she doesn't Mm -hmm. look very big she doesn't seem to be overly powerful because i don't think she she relies a lot on muscle but what she does have is a tenacity and technique. And we've seen ascensions of her abilities 
after all of her fights where she unveils a new expertise to a certain level. Yeah. And I think we really saw that when she fought Paige Van Zandt. And I'm not saying Paige Van Zandt is some fucking killer or some badass, like, unstoppable striking force. But you saw Paige Van Zandt, who's known as being a blitzing bully, who loves to throw, like, volume and try to rush and crowd with strikes. You saw that get just immediately stifled and turned upside down by Rose Namajunas. And Rose Namajunas beat the shit out of her. Like, yeah. legit. Like, after the fight, people were applauding Paige Van Zandt for just surviving the fight against Rose Namajunas. And Rose is, like, this very innocent-looking girl. And she's, I mean, she looks really mad here. But she she doesn't look like an intimidating fighter. No. But her style of, of ability is immense. And that, I think, was the turning point when I was like, all right, I think she found her stride. I think she found it. Um... You saw I, I you saw it against uh um what's her name karate hottie uh, Michelle Watterson uh, I mean she's way bigger than Michelle Watterson but you saw that same kind of like Michelle Watterson fights f- like with fire so she fights kind of this is my shield I'm gonna go out on it and she usually does mm-hmm. um, but you saw Rose be like cool I'll I'll go that way too and you like they they were embracing the whole time after the fight because of it and. Yeah, that was yeah. So, anyways, I think Rose ascended to a point where when she first fought Joanna, I remember turning to you and being like, "I don't know if she has what it takes on the. I don't think she has what it takes on the feet, but her her ground game is probably the best in the division. And I think if she wins, it's gonna be by submission. I remember saying that to you mm-hmm. because then I was like, "Oh my god, she won by striking. She knocked her out." Yeah, and that was that goes back to what I originally just said of like she continues to evolve and continues to like sharpen her tool set. It's the sharpening of the tool set that I always write about. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like, "How come these fighters are not sharpening their tool set?" Which is ironically something I'm gonna touch base on with uh, a fighter on this card, which is Anthony Pettis. Who was the first article I wrote about uh, yep. on the on the website on the WordPress website? WordPress. But this is the rematch now. Yuana knows who she's dealing with. She knows what she's going up against. Uh, she wants her belt back. She wanted to go undefeated as uh, as a champion. That is not happening. So her dreams are broken. So she's coming back with a vengeance. So I said my prediction last time. I will let you say your prediction this time. I just hope Rose has the same confidence. You know, and she's just going to continue to improve as the champion by defending this time. So, I want to have faith in Rose with this one. I do. You want to have faith. I want to. But, which, what's the but? I'm just thinking about just within the last few years of people I've had the same feeling about feeling about exactly like wow you know this is awesome i, I want to have faith in them then it's like they just lose the title and they just <laughs> you know I, I mean really think about it how many people <laughs> and have they actually just, and they just lose the title yeah well how many people have actually held the title for more than two or three fights the last few years exactly i, I mean no no there's there's people <laughs> you know? i just don't have okay so 
I guess Anderson Silva lost it to Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman hung on to it until Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold lost it immediately to Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping lost it. Uh, um, <laughs> he 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 kept it against Dan Henderson. Then he lost it against uh, against George St. Pierre, who just gave it up. And technically, the interim Robert Whitaker took it. So that's one division. Right. Heavyweight. Uh, nobody wins past two fights, um, except yep. for now with Stipe Miocic. Um, Trying to think. Demetrius Johnson has has dominant okay, reign. He, yeah. Um, TJ Dillashaw, Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt. Uh, they've changed it for the past three years. Right. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Trying to think. Tyron Woodley. Uh, Tyron Woodley's had it for like three fights now. Yeah. Tyron Woodley's kept his okay, belt. For, so like, that's three two fights. people we could think of. Right. Um, okay. So okay. I get. So okay. So again, I want to have faith in Rose. I'm gonna say she wins. She is 5'5", 25 years old, 115 pounds. Yes. Submission. She is a submission. Well, here's the funny thing. She is an elite submission and ground fighter, but she knocked out the best striker yeah. on the feet with yeah. an amazing check left hook. Which is why I'm wondering if she's going to stick to that game plan, though. Like, go back into the fire and see if you can come out This unburned. is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I hope she she realizes, okay, this is I, I got it this time. But now, what's going to be the strategy for this next one? So, I'm going to say by submission, uh, I'll say fifth round. It's going to end in the fifth, not by decision. Submission. For Rose? Yes. So, Rose? I think it's going to go all five, but she's going to win by submission. Okay. Ioana lands 6.76 strikes per minute versus Rose's 3.5 in Ioana has a 49.84% accuracy versus Rose's 45. Um, she also has a 67% defensive uh, level, Ioana does, versus Rose 60. So here's my thing. I think Rose took Ioana by surprise. I don't think Ioana expected that kind of striking level. I think she assumed and was ready for Ioana to, or Ioana, for Rose to take it to the ground. Mm-hmm. I think Ioana comes out this fight looking very tentative. I think she comes out looking very, okay, I know what I'm dealing with. Let's see if you got any new tricks I should be aware of. And I think it's going to be a first round. It's going to be a very slow first round, I think. I think Ioana's going to try to keep it that way. Um, I think she's going to try to sweat out. Um, she's going to try to sweat out uh, Rose. And not in the sense of tying her out, but like going back to what we were talking about earlier with striking, it's kind of like... At the end of the day, Ioana does have more experience striking than Rose does. Yep. Especially with uh, Ioana's Muay Thai background before she even got into the UFC. I think Ioana's going to be able to play a little bit more of striking mind games this time because she's going to plan to versus come out and just run an intimidating, like, beat you down style. Um, You say Rose. Rose is my girl. I really want to root for Rose. And my heart says Rose and my mind says Rose. For the record, I'm going to say... Rose wins by TKO uh, first half of round three. That's ah, okay. That's what I'm saying. I think first round is going to be a lot of back and forth with Yuana trying to figure out what she's dealing with. Second round is going to be a lot of Yuana trying to figure out and set up traps to, to tag Rose with. I think Rose eventually gets tired of playing that game and realizes what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think near the end of the second, she's just she starts just closing the she's just she's just like fuck this distance shit. Yeah, I'm taking this to the ground. And then she finally implements the ground game we never saw in the first fight. And then she tags her, goes for a takedown, and then just 
mounts beats so i i think side mount just beats her up okay um ooh, see now now i can see joanna turtling from like a ground and pound and then rose just going for a choke <laughs> and getting it or getting a submission but okay i'm gonna openly say i think rose wins third round with a third round submission or tko finish that's what i think um, I think in re- I think just to counter you because it's fun to try to find an alternative. I'll say Ioana wins by decision. Interesting. I don't think Rose gets knocked out that easily, and I think Rose is a warrior who will go to the end. And I think Ioana is gonna. Oh no! You know what? Fourth round TKO Ioana. Okay. I say fourth round TKO, TKO finish. I'll, I, I'm sticking, in reality, I'm sticking to my Rose prediction. But just to go against you, I'll say Joanna TKO you finish fourth it. round. All right. All right. Um, oh, my gosh. This card is so good. Let's see. Just because I want to touch base on it, not to shit on Moisano or Calvin Qatar, but just because I wrote an article about Anthony Pettis who's now dropped to number 12th. The man used to be on a Wheaties box. The man is a former champion in two separate organizations. And now he's 12th ranked. Um, So if you haven't read the article, I urge you to please read it. Yes, this is a plug. Go to takedowns2breakdowns.wordpress.com and scroll to the bottom. It's the first long-form article I write. And it goes into depth about what I'm going to like try to not get as in-depth into now. Because... Time is limited, and I don't want to tire out your ears. But long story short, I'm going to summarize everything up. My opinion is Anthony Pettis has still not evolved. I'm not happy to say that. I don't want to say that. I really like Anthony Pettis. I like. I want to see Showtime win. And for those who don't know, his nickname is Showtime Pettis. I just think he still has not evolved. I think... It's the same thing I touched base on in the article. We haven't seen a change in his fighting style ever. Ever. It's the same thing. I'm going to kick and try to strike and escape. So he's become almost pre- predictable at this point. Predictable and he will, not, he will not change. He will not change because Duke Rufus is not trying hard enough gotcha. with him or pushing him enough. Yep. Or he personally is saying, no, I'm a good enough kicker. My taekwondo is that elite. I can figure this out. I'll be fine. But it's the same thing every time. He tries to establish a striking game. People know his striking game because it's so obvious. They work him against the cage with angles and blitzes. He tries to circle out from the cage. He gets either clinched, shot on against the cage, and taken down, or he just gets molly when he tries to exit from the outside. Okay. That's not what I want to see this time. He's facing Michael Chiesa. It's gonna be a. This is gonna be fireworks. It's gonna be a fireworks fight. It's. I don't see it going the distance. I don't want to see the same thing from Showtime. Uh, if he loses, he loses. But I don't want to see the same thing. I want to see his elite Brazilian jiu-jitsu come into play. I want to see some unexpected elbows and Muay Thai knees come into play. Mm-hmm. I want to see some crazy cool shit that's different than his standard kick, punch, punch, kick. Uh-oh, I'm getting getting pressured up against the cage. Okay, now he's going for a takedown, so I got to underhook. And now he's hitting me with elbows up top, so I'm going to try to bounce out to the side. Then he kicks me back in. Like, that's what I don't want to see. So, 
sorry, I just went on a rant because this is something I, I, I have, <laughs> something I've invested a lot of time into, but go ahead and you can give your, your input. Michael submission, second round. You think you're going to submit Anthony Pettis? Okay. I would be happy if this turned into a BJJ match. I'd be really happy. And he's phenomenal too, Pettis. Oh, he's amazing. He's yeah. amazing on the ground. I'd be really happy if this ended up being a BJJ. But it's like you said, he's predictable at this point. Yeah. Um, just because I went on a rant about his striking game, I will say to counter you, Anthony Pettis gets a knockout. Um, <laughs> second round. Second round knockout. Um, yeah, I'll just say that. I'll say that Anthony Pettis wins with a second round knockout. In reality, I think he loses by decision. Okay. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Um, moving on to another fun. So, oh, this is such a good fight too. Um, Paul Felder, he, he does some announcing work, uh, with the UFC when he, when he's not, you know, training full time. Okay. He is a super fun fighter for those who are listening, who don't know who he is. He's, uh, Nicknamed the Irish Dragon, he's a really fun guy to watch. He's a he's a heavy he's a heavy striker. It's gonna be fun versus Ali Quinta. Um, this is a this is gonna this is I, if this goes to decision, I'll be shocked. But I'm gonna I'm rooting for Paul Felder in this one. But um, people, we're still talking about the main card here. This is how stacked it is. There's still fights on the prelims and on the early like fight. Uh, Unlike the early prelims that are worth watching. So you guys need to tune into this. Not that we're getting promoted or paid for to say this in any way, but this is such a good card. But anyways, yeah. I know you were looking at uh, the stats because you like looking at the stats. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a numbers guy. And just looking at this one, um, this I think this is going to be my first uh, decision. What? Uh, yeah, what? and I will say... Okay, I'll say decision. Uh, Paul. Decision, Paul. Of course, after <laughs> when they both have above 50% finish rates yeah. for knockouts and TKOs. Um, I'm going to say, in reality, Paul Felder wins by TKO third round. Um, but I will, again, counter you just for the sake of countering you. And I will say that the... Uh, the volume striking of Ali Quinta is gonna is gonna be on his side. I think he gets a. I think he gets a TKO. I think it's, I think he gets a TKO third round. Just to counter you, not that I'm I'm sticking to that in any way. Yep. Um. So speaking of. Rose Namajunas, she lost to this... To, oh, Tom, Tomek, if you're listening, here's another fun one for you. This is another Polish girl. Karolina Kolwakovic. Kolwakovic. I, I can't say it. But Karolina versus uh, Felice Hearing is going to be a fun fight as well. Um, Karolina was actually, I think, the last girl to beat Rose Namajunas. So... This is going to be good. Uh, Carolina actually also went the distance with Ioana and lost by decision. And that was, I think, the first time we saw a fight where, in my opinion, in the UFC, 
Ioana's damage output wasn't enough to put somebody away. Um, Carolina was eating hard shots straight down the middle, and she just kept walking forward. She wasn't bleeding. I think she was bleeding a little bit, but like she was like a Terminator. She was just eating all the shots and coming forward. Yeah. And I remember that being. I was just like, "Holy shit! This is, this might be a threat." I mean, it ended up not being a threat because she couldn't touch or catch Yuana with strikes. But um, Carolina is a tough badass, tough tough girl. That's gonna be a fun one. I think Carolina wins. It's probably gonna go to decision, but let's let's be entertaining here. I'll vote that Carolina wins by third round knockout. Although in reality, I think it's going to. Sit. I was actually going to say that for Carolina. Yes. What was the big factor for you? Uh, her defense. Um. And apparently, her zero inch leg reach. <laughs> they definitely. All right, they need to update their website a little bit. But um, they always do. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, I was looking at her. Uh, takedown defense. Although the other one's better in submission. Uh, she's just going to defend it more than likely. And looking at her strike rating, um, I'm going to, I think I'll agree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, that's, uh, oh, man, the prelims are stacked. Uh, Brandon Moreno facing Ray Borg is going to be a super, super fun fight. They're both really fun strikers. Last we saw Ray Borg, he was getting the shit kicked, shit kicked out of him. Um, I think it was against Demetrius Johnson. Uh, yeah, it was, which is no surprise. Um, yep, Demetrius Johnson just picked him, picked him apart and beat the shit out of him, um, <laughs> which happens to everybody. Yeah. So don't 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 sleep on Ray Borg just because we're saying he got the shit kicked out of him. Everybody gets the shit kicked out of him when it comes to Demetrius Johnson. Uh, Ray, uh, Brandon Moreno had a really interesting fight against Sergio Pettis, Anthony Pettis' little brother, uh, where I thought Sergio was clearly like winning, but it wasn't immediate. It, it took like half the fight until Sergio began to surge ahead. But Brandon Moreno, I think he's like... Uh, it's weird because when he fights, he fights a very looping style. So it's not a straight line attack because it's not like karate. It's not like, you know, cutting in for hooks or anything like boxing. It's weird. It's almost like a drunken style of how he throws his shit. It's like wide circles, wide circles. It's almost like he's trying to like run in while trying to grab because okay. he wants to get it to the ground to grapple. It, that's what it looks like. I don't know if that's exactly what he's doing or what his camp wants or what his strategy is. But that's what it looks like. So it's very visually, it's very entertaining <laughs> to just be like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> um, I, I think Ray Borg gets it. I think Ray Borg is such a crisp striker um, and has some pretty strong wrestling. I think it's going to definitely come down to come down to the, the close distance fight range. And to me, I think Ray Borg just has too much power output. In comparison, but this is going to be a fun fight, everybody. This is going to be this is going to be a fun fight for the small guys. So give it up for the small guys because I, I think it's going to be pretty entertaining. Mikey, I'm I'm going to say Brandon. Um, second round submission. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I can see that, but okay. 
Psychoman submission. All right, we'll move on from that. Um, these next two fights on the prelims are are pretty fun. We have Chris Gritz versus Joe Lozon. Joe Lozon being a UFC like stand and bang veteran, kind of the guy who's just he's one of those go out on your shield type guys. Um, I want Joe Lozon to win. But this is actually a good little segue sandwich for me to talk about. Like, So by the time you hear this, the article probably won't be up just yet. But I'm currently writing an article for the website. And it's going to be touching base on, on what I'm about to say right now. And that is I feel like there's a culture change going on within the UFC at least. Mm-hmm. There's a culture change of those of the last generation, the veterans of the past being replaced with the new up and coming faces of the modern of the modern generation. You know what I mean? And I don't mean this by some kind of like massive disparity, but like Michael Bisping, um Andre Orlovsky, um Joe Lozon, like you have these guys who I feel like they're beginning to phase out for better or for worse. Yeah. And when they phase out they usually go to Bellator. But they're phasing out of the UFC at least because you have these new faces coming in, um, and it's 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 very interesting because it's not a dramatic fall from grace. Um, it's not like a, a huge, okay, they're done and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, you see them kind of hanging around a bit. Like Holly Holm, I I know she's not like you know at the downside of her career because of her age, but Holly Holm has not really won that recently <laughs> like yeah no she hasn't she won the championship and then she lost it to misha tate yeah like like pretty much immediately right so i mean it's there's a change that's occurring right now and it's almost like the the young kids that were first starting off in the lat with the last generation being on top are now coming of age to be like okay i'm ready to take it and it's awesome to see mm-hmm. i think it's awesome to see um you see with Max Holloway, perfect perfect example. And I touched base on this in, with another article with Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo was undefeated for 10 years and was a monster. Even when he lost to Conor McGregor in 13 seconds, he put a show in on Frankie Edgar yeah. at UFC 200. But now where is he? Yep. People are saying he's done. He's out of it. It's over. Who's Who are they talking about now? Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. Speaking of Frankie Edgar, he got knocked out by Brian T. City Ortega. Like, not surprised. We touched base on it in the last episode. We did, yeah. About how Frankie always gets tagged. This time it actually did damage, like lasting damage, and he got taken out. But it's the same thing where it's like, well, so what's next for Frankie? It's like, well, he's got to work his way back into title contention now. It's like, fucking how old are you, buddy? Like, are you sure you want to keep doing this? And that leads me to this. Sorry, that was a little, little side... That was a little side quest. But it brings me back to this with Joe Lozon versus Chris Gritz. Um, I feel like it's... I don't think it's time for Chris Gritz to take out Joe Lozon. I think Joe Lozon still has what it takes. But I feel like Joe Lozon is that kind of name where it's like, dude, it's... Joe, how how long how long is this going on, man? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's 27 and 15. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a huge amount of fights to have in your career. And it's kind of like that damage is accumulating. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. Mm. I think I'm seeing Chris Gritz knockout. 
Um, yeah. First round? Wow. So little faith. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say Joe Lozon by decision. Okay. See, I try to be a little bit more realistic, but for the fun of it, I'll say Joe Lozon by submission. Third round. Uh, yeah, third round. Joe Lozon wins by third round submission. Um, speaking of a of, of another young cat, we have uh, Albin Mercier, the Quebec kid, uh, versus Evan Dunham. Now, they're both not that young or that old, but um, Albin Mercier has been doing this for a while now. And I remember seeing him being like, yo, this dude, I remember seeing him back when he was, he was coming in and and starting up and he was very wrestling heavy. I mean, he still is very wrestling heavy, Mm -hmm. but at the time it was almost like he was a wrestler who wanted to, to like pick up MMA. So you saw a very similar smothering wrestling strategy that didn't really rely upon too much else. But now you're seeing at this point of his career, I think he has enough spice and flair where you see the other parts of his game come into play now where he tries to set up things with his footwork and his striking. And I, I think he's, I think he's, I think Aubin Mercy is going to win just because I think it's his time. I think he's been seasoned enough and I think we're going to see an, an evolution, an evolutionary step here. I'm going to say he wins by TKO to finish in second round. Probably ground and pound. That's fair. But just to make it a little bit different, I'll say third. Third? Yeah. Yeah. So no hope for Evan Dunham? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Um, that leaves us to the fight pass early prelims where we have... Uh, we have one of Conor McGregor's best friends, Artem Lobov, the Russian hammer, facing off against Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy. Um, Alex Caceres is a very, very entertaining striker facing a guy who's 14 and 14 in uh, Artem Lobov. Um, they're both not great on records. Alex Caceres is 13 and 11. Um, Decision? Uh, I say decision. So I think Alex Caceres had a lot of potential and I think he was mismanaged by his camp and he stuck too close to his guns of trying to be creative with his striking. And I don't think he got creative enough and it caught up with him. Um, and I think Artem Lobov is where he is because he's best friends with Conor McGregor. I think Artem Lobov is a very fine MMA fighter, but I don't think he has a go. He doesn't have a chef's knife. You know what I mean? He doesn't have like the get it done type thing. He 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 just he has generic tools everywhere. But okay. he doesn't have clearly his record somehow points this out, the fact that it's a 50-50% <laughs> yeah. win loss of 14 wins and 14 losses. I think um that goes to show exactly that. I th- I think I think uh I do think Artem Lobov, though, is a little bit more of a threat than Alex Caceres because I think Artem Lobov is a little bit more willing to stand in the flames. And I think he ends up walking down Alex Caceres. What about you? So him by decision, you're saying? Uh, yep, I would say him by decision. Uh, 
I mean, I called in the beginning decision, but I'll just for shits and giggles, I'll go with Alex. Alex, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good thing to do. Um, so something really cool is uh, on my Twitter account, uh, Fight Matt MMA on Twitter. I've actually ex- like exchanged like conversations and been favorited by uh, Jessica Clark. Or Jesse Jess, I, I, I remember that actually. Yeah, and I like, like, I think it's awesome that she like interacts with me about shit. But uh, this is going to be her last opponent that she beat, Beck Rawlings, facing Ashley Evan Smith, and this is going to be a fun fight. Beck Rawlings, I think, is a little bit more um, deserving than her record shows, which is a seven and seven, fifty percent win loss record. Um, I think Ashley Evan Smith has a little bit more refinement to her game when it comes to her threats, uh, especially. But I, I think especially in her defense, I think it's more refined, and I think that's going to be the, the the deciding factor here is that she just has better defense than Beck. I think Beck Rawlings gets a little uh, loosey goosey when it comes to her game, so I'm going to say Evan Smith wins. I think it's going to be by decision. I'm gonna say by decision. Um, I know I've been I know I've been saying a decision a lot tonight, but unfortunately, it's not the movies, and for the most part, a lot of fights end by decision. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say Evan Smith by decision in reality, but to make it fun, I'll say Evan Smith wins by knockout. I was round. just gonna say, I was gonna make that same call: second round knockout. Second round knockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Beck Rawlings is. <sighs> I know. I, I'm trying to remember. I know she's from Australia, but I'm. I, I. I forget where she trained for a period of time in the states, and I think she went back. I'm not quite sure. Like I, I honestly forget uh, her fight camp background. But long story short, I feel like she hasn't sharpened um, her main weapon, her sword. I, 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 she's a brawler. I would love to see Beck Rawlings and uh, Paige Van Zant like go at mm. it. I think that'd be a really fun back and forth. But um, but yeah, um, we don't need to touch on the other ones because we're skipping a few of these. Um, but yeah, so for those who who are wondering, yes, this is something you should pay attention to. You guys should go out to the bar, watch the fights. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, this is a good one this time. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be entertaining. It's gonna be. I I do think there's gonna be a good amount of decisions, but there there would be a, I think there's gonna be a lot of flair. But yeah. Anything you wanna you wanna add? Oh, you should touch base on uh, on some of your videos that are in the works. Oh, the yeah. Okay, so um, I after after the last video I did, I was recently diagnosed with type type Z diabetes. Uh, <laughs> lost lost my left foot and everything. Uh, don't don't stress. Eat sour patch or sour skittles yeah, or whatever the hell yeah. it is. So, as I've uh, self-promoted before already, I have a YouTube channel, which is uh, predominantly gaming, doing a lot of Let's Plays, and my good friend and co-host here, Matt, suggested that uh, I play this game called Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy, and I, I guess a lot of other YouTubers were playing this game, so I was like, yeah, you know what, what the hell, I'll, I'll, I'll play it too. Cheap game, bought it off of Steam. And uh, it's the latest video I posted up on my channel, Microscopics. You can look it up. 
And uh, it's just like 35 or 37 minutes of just uh, pure rage, uh, me downing sour skittles. Um, if you don't know what if you don't know what the game is, please check out his channel. It's hilarious. The game is amazing. Yeah, it, we'll we'll just leave it at that. You're gonna have to see it for yourself. But it was um, it's been a, a very long time that I've been that enraged in just a video game in general. I think just in general, just with life. <laughs> Besides mm-hmm. raising like a toddler, you know, where that's just a different type of rage at moments. It's I mean, that like really got to me. Uh, but thank you for that suggestion. And uh, the other list of games that you suggested I try out, which I will end up trying out at some point, And everybody stay tuned for those. Uh, I post at least once a week, sometimes two or three times. So All right. there you go. All right, everybody. Hopefully, uh, the article's out very soon when you hear this, and also this will definitely be before uh, the UFC event, so check that out, but hope you all have a good rest of your week. Have fun, guys. Peace. Peace.